0: everyone and welcome back to the Livestock Leaders Podcast. I'm Millie Nolan, your host, and today I'm back here with another Young Gun Livestock Leader. This podcast takes you around Australia where you get to meet advocates, influencers and champions of the livestock industry. These people work every day to share real, transparent and emotional stories that will inspire and empower you. So today we have none other than Tiffany Davey. Tiff is a jack of all trades, young gun and passionate livestock leader. We're stoked to have her here today to share her story. How are you, Tiff?
1: Hello. I don't think I've ever been introduced as a jack of all trades. (laughs) Jack of all trades, master of
0: none. (laughs) No, I think you you can definitely own that hat. But what I want to ask you is what are words that you would describe yourself with? Can you give me three?
1: Yeah, so literally five minutes ago, I asked my group chat uh, of mates. I was like, That's cheating. (laughs) I know. And everyone came back and said, Late.
0: (laughs) And you were 35 minutes late to this.
1: Oh, <laughs> that traffic! I'm not a Perth girl. I was like, oh my goodness gracious me. But yeah, no, I um, that's actually a really, really hard one. I, I did, I did think about this. And passionate, I think, would be one word. And that's something I can't help. I'm, I'm incredibly passionate about everything I do or try to be, and it's something I try to live by. Think adventurous, maybe. I don't know. It seems weird to describe someone like that. But once again, maybe. A word like I want to be known by or want to abide by I suppose because i I just think life's short like'm um, I'm here to have adventures, so that's something I think I refer back to a lot and maybe this the last one was the hard one we have got late there, but I think um like and this will tie into i suppose me as a person and it's like a like a lover I think um and that's why I do what I do and why I'm in the ag industry like my love language is, is providing food, I suppose. So that's a huge thing for me um, and like a driver for what, what I want to do within the livestock industry. So I was like, righto, they, I'll lock those in as my three words. <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, Tiff, don't be embarrassed. They definitely come through, especially, yeah, your passion. And I know that when you're working with livestock, you love as well. So, no, don't be embarrassed. I think they're very accurate. So, Tiff, what do you do? Where are you from? Tell me about yourself.
1: Uh, That's, uh, well, I don't know. Where do we begin? Um, (laughs) At the start. um,
0: Yeah, so from the
1: beginning, take it from the top, I um, grew up on my family's broadacre and prime land property in the central wheat belt in um, Wongan Hills. I grew up there with my siblings. I'm one of five, my grandparents and my parents. They're still there, we're still there. And, you know, I, I loved my childhood on the farm. Agriculture wasn't necessarily something I wanted to pursue a career in, but was always something I loved. It wasn't until year 10 where I did an assignment on genetically modified crops. And I was like, oh, this is sort of interesting. Like, this is really cool. Like, oh, there's people who are, like, starving around the world. Like, oh, my goodness, goodness. So I did work experience as an agronomist. And my dad's stock agent, Lapo, he um, he was like, okay, like, if you're coming to, you know, here for five days, like, you have to spend a day with me so you see what I do. And I was like, oh, cool. I'll go look at some sheep. That'll be fun. Anyway, I think that's where the love affair with livestock began. I was like, wow, this is... I really love animals. Like, I, this could be a career. Okay, I really love. P- probably prefer. Actually, I'm more of a four-legged per- person than a, than a two-legged.
0: Sorry, <laughs> sorry <laughs> yeah, should I go yeah, get the like, sheep to like, host? Really
1: but yeah, I think um, that's how I sort of started in year ten. Year ten. Yeah, yeah, early. yeah. Like, I think early, but not. A lot of kids you meet when they're like seven and like, yeah, I'm going to be a farmer. And I was never yeah, that. True, and never it's that. also something I think it's the values. Like my, my dad was always like, I, I'm not going to teach you guys anything. I don't want you to know what I know. I'm not going to limit your knowledge in that, in that way. I want you guys to go out and formulate your own opinion on the world and your own opinion of the industry. And it was that car ride with the Stock Asian Lapo and there's something he said to me and it has stuck with me throughout the years. And he said like his favourite thing about farmers is he could give every single farmer the same bit of dirt in the same area and every farmer would do it differently. I swear he was doing it better than his neighbour. Yeah. Um, but they, you know, they would do it differently and, and their passion for it would be just as equal. And that's something like, yeah, my dad was like, no, nah, I'm, I'm not going to teach you guys anything. And at times that has been so annoying <laughs> and so tough, but it meant, you know, we've all gone out, I think, and sort of like diversified our knowledge in, I've never wanted to be a raw farmer ever. I've never wanted to be, you know, the type of farmer my dad is, but I want to go home eventually, I think. But yeah, so that's where I began. And I think it's been like set me up with a good set of values because I can sort of understand with people who are late entering the industry, this is sort of challenging. I'm like, yeah. It is like it is tough having I mean, grown up, like knowing how to put up a fence or welding, or they, I had to start like, learning those skills, and it, it, it definitely keeps you humble.
0: <laughs> yeah, god, yeah. Do you notice differences between you and your
1: siblings oh, because of yeah, that? Absolutely, like not just within us, us, us girls, and my brother, but he's still quite young. We, um, you know, one of them's gone off and become like a pig farmer, um, uh, no, <laughs> like, no. one's gone off, and she's managing like an well, assistant manager of an agriculture college, and you know, I think we've become. Because we haven't, we just didn't, no, we didn't know, we knew stuff, I suppose. We had to go rock picking and do sheet work and all of those things. And it sets you up with the foundations, but not the nitty gritty stuff. And because of that, we've definitely got our own opinions of the industry and, you know, very diverse to each other. In my opinion of certain things, is incredibly different to theirs. And I don't know if they would ever go on a live export ship, whereas that's something I, you know, I I have loved doing and want to continue doing. So no, we're just really different, I think. Yeah.
0: So tell me more about that because you actually did get stuck on the ship. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yes. Um, yeah, it was just crazy, really. And it do, you know, at the end of the day, like it doesn't surprise me it happened to me. if you <laughs> <news>. <laughs> <I> <laughs> those know those people. Like, <laughs> yeah, so I um, got stuck. Yep. I got on a ship and we were sailing across the Middle East and everything. Yeah, fine. You know, I, the COVID was like a whisper and I, I didn't take it seriously. I was like, okay, this is, it's obviously serious, but I was like, it's not going to affect my life really in any way. I just didn't really think about it. It's sort of, actually, that goes back to the words to describe myself. I think something 100% I should have said is impulsive. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is cool. I'm going on a ship. But I worked in events and communications for a few years. So at the Field days and when oh, I think it was the Perth Royal said, no, we're not going ahead. And then at field days, we were like, okay, we're not going ahead. And so I like, I knew the level of seriousness, but I just didn't think about how it would affect me on the ship. So I got made redundant basically on the Monday and I rang the exporter that afternoon. I was like, hey. I, during my holidays, I um, took, I did a ship. I've always wanted to do one. So I got on and I was like, okay, this is cool. I want to get a, get a taste of this. Loved it. So the second I, like, they were like a few days in my ahead, I was like, righto, I'm going to get on a ship. Rang them. They're like, yeah, we have like a ship leaving like at the end of this week, basically. <laughs> I was like, I'm on it. So I just went and got on it. And then it was a very impulsive decision. But we got to the other end, discharged the animals. And then basically they were like, hey, we're shutting all the ports around the world. Um, COVID's hit and we don't want people entering like this is the situation and then one month turns two months and then I yeah got on in like March and got home and out of quarantine in September. Um, so yeah it was like an interesting experience to say the least.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So what how did you fill in your time? What did you yeah, do? Yeah,
1: um so it was I was so it was my third ship and my first one with another female. So I wasn't just the only girl on the ship and I think that was my saving grace. Uh, she was we we had never met before and (laughs) we knew absolutely everything about each other but for a while we were just waiting like a month we were just waiting every day we're like okay we're gonna get news we're gonna get news we're gonna get news and that never came Um, so after a month we were like starting to drown in our own self-pity and we're like okay let's do stuff Mm -hmm. so we sort of like set tasks we did – we went a little bit weird in hindsight. Like, it was not – Kevin <laughs> Fever, <famous. laughs> Yeah, literally. It was not normal displays of behaviour for a 25-year-old and a 30-year-old. Like, we wrote, like – well, I wrote, like, a country music album and then I made Tess, like, sing it and we recorded it. I started oh, writing wow. – Yeah, like, you know, like I wrote – Oh, you've got to play it? Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> that
0: would go to the grave. <laughs> oh, yeah,
1: like, no. Um, Like, I wrote this – and literally now I've got, like, this whole country music I'm like, what do I even do with all of these songs? Like, that is so weird. Um, I started writing, like, a rural romance novel once again. I, yeah, it's just, like, there's, like, six chapters of it there. And it turns out it was really hard. I was like, yeah, I'm going to write a novel. And it was, it's really tough. Like, credit to any novelists out there. Oh, my goodness. I wanted to learn, like, a sheep disease every day. Like, uh, we tried to learn Hindu. I had a harmonica. I tried to learn harmonica. But there was a period of time there where we were, like, COVID did get really serious, so we weren't allowed to leave our rooms.
0: Oh, for how long?
1: Um, so that was for two weeks. Wow. And that was tough. So there was a fairly solid cattle pad where I'd been pacing up and down that room. Very isolated. It was, it was, it was tough. Like, I think in hindsight, I look back and I was like, wow, actually, I didn't realise how much it affected me. But, you know, at the same time, me and Tess were really similar. We got, we had to change our mindset, I think, about the whole thing. We are like, right, we wanted adventure. Here we go. Yeah, we're doing it. You know, yeah, like anyone can survive this. It's not that bad. We're getting food. And I think, you know, I'd been backpacking before and I had to refer back to the lessons I learned from like backpacking through Asia. I was like, right, as long as you've got a bed and you've got food, you're okay. And so it was fine. It was, you know, the crew we were with were amazing, such lovely people. And like those ships, that's their home. Um, that's their home. And as stock men and women and vets, when we go onto the ships, we enter into their homes. And they, they take us on. So we were so fortunate. They they were so open arms, you know. And, like, we cooked for them. I cooked Lamington once and they told me they never <laughs> to do it again. <laughs> oh, no, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tried to learn how to make Indian food.
0: <laughs> yeah, so just a random assortment of things. Truthfully, I don't even know what we did. What an experience. And culture, like family on board, obviously, yeah. a really yeah. big aspect of that. And yeah. it sounds like what yeah. really helped you get through it as well
1: oh absolutely like we you know it was an insane situation but at the end of the day I was fortunate you know I was safe and fed and had a bed so life could be worse
0: yeah (laughs) yeah exactly now tell me more about your travels you're obviously very worldly um backpacking around Asia here there everywhere what's a key lesson that you've learned from all of that I would not describe myself as worldly
1: (laughs) not at all There is so much of the world I'm yet to see, you know. So, truthfully, the first country I ever went to was India. I was supposed to be booking a ticket to Kathmandu to meet my friend. I accidentally booked a one-way, non-refundable ticket to Kolkata.
0: don't. Tiff. (laughs) (laughs) So, it
1: was like a week before and she's like, hey, send me your flight details. And I sent through this. She's like, Tiff, that's not Nepal. love." (laughs) like... That's, that's India. So that's the first country I ever went into. <laughs> oh, my God. What a story. Yeah, I know. Um, but, yeah, I've always been so interested in the world, I suppose. Like, I just think there's so much out there to see and there's so many people to talk to and so many people I haven't met yet. Stories to learn. I, I couldn't give you one piece of advice other than go. Yeah. Like, throw yeah. a grenade where you stand and just go. And it works out. You know, when I drove around Australia, so many people were like, Oh, you that you know, you couldn't you can't do that and I was like, Well I have and it somehow worked out. It just does.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I remember when we first met in Canberra, um, that was actually at a leadership conference or programme, um, back in twenty 20- 2020
1: or no, No, it It would have been been 2018. a few years ago. (laughs) Yeah, gosh,
0: don't this fly by. And I remember we connected over this exact point about our interest in travelling and culture. And the theme of that was leadership. So tell me about
1: leadership. Um, Leadership, I think, means different things to different people. And a lot of people, a question I've had, not a lot of people, but a question I have been asked a few times is, why are you involved or why were you involved in Connect WA or why are you involved in Livestock Leaders or why do you get involved in all of these things? At the start, it was literally because the regional Australia, the agricultural industry, all of it is what I've devoted my life to. I know that's where I'm going to live. I know that's what the industry I'm going to work with. And I have, a, I suppose, a vision of what I think the industry needs to be or where we need to be at. Like it's going to be my future. What the Livestock Collective is doing is something is like, it, it like essential for the future of the industry, communication, storytelling, all of those things. So originally like for me getting involved, and I, I don't like using the word like becoming a leader because I don't, I don't see myself as that yet. I've got way too much to learn and I've made so many mistakes as a leader. Like you can't make a 19-year-old a president of a committee expect her to have the people skills and the leadership skills to do a fabulous job, you know what I mean? But that's how you learn. And in regional Australia, there is so many leadership opportunities because we need people to step up in the communities. And that's how people learn. And you learn from your mistakes. But I think um, for me, getting involved in these things is because I was like, right, I, I want this to happen. I want to see this in my community or I want to see this in regional Australia or I want the Livestock Collective to be successful because it is essential for the future that I'm envisioning for myself. And that was my key drive originally. And then I think as you go along, you know, we went to that leadership, con- oh, it was in the leadership conference, but it was, I suppose, at in Canberra, and it was about the future of the grains industry, and there was so much there. I was like, yeah, right, we, we still have so much more we need to do and so many things we need to do better at. And I, for me, it's about, I suppose, understanding leadership, understanding the way these boards work, understanding the way the industry works. That's where I'm at within myself and my career, I suppose, within the industry. I'm still at the understanding part. I'm like what do all of these million committees do or million boards do within the industry? But I think getting involved like if you want something, make it happen. Yeah. And you have to step up sometimes to do that.
0: <laughs> yeah, get thrown yeah. in the deep yeah. end. Um And the support around you has been good so far. Like, I know I have found it to be amazing because it is hard. When you come onto a committee and things, you're like, God, what are these? What's (laughs) my actual role? Like, what's my job description here? And, like,
1: my first piece of advice would be to anyone, like, get some governance training. I understand what you're, you know, what you're supposed to do. But, like, of course, yeah, there has been an incredible amount of support. But there's also been, like, an incredible amount of challenges. And a lot of critics you know, a lot of people who stand back and say, oh, Tiff Davy, <laughs> you did a pretty crap job. <laughs> and i will be like, oh, I've never heard that, <laughs> Tiff. <laughs> it happens. It's and, and you know what? It's something I think, uh, like, since I sort of came home from my first lot of gallivanting, um, you get better at coping. And now you, you, I can say, like, okay, cool. Like, how would you do it then? Or... What are you doing? Like, you get that anywhere. You get that. If it's about the local footy committee in regional Australia, you always have your critics. But it's also if you're on a state committee or, you know, trying to get involved in the national committee, you always have people who say, yeah, you're not quite good enough or you're not what we want.
0: And you just, you learn lessons from that as well. Yeah. How much do you value that network you have now? Like, I know that we've both lived in Western Queensland and different parts of Australia and I value it so much what what is your value to that network
1: yeah so on that like after (laughs) probably should have done this in the introduction part but yeah I have I'm so lucky to have lived and traveled in a lot of places around Australia so when I finished school I'd um won Haywire it's like an ABC storytelling competition and I went over there and I met um Tara Delangraf and I was like, right, I'm going to be Tara when I grow up. Like,
0: <laughs> I want to be you. Yeah, so
1: um, but I was like 17 when I finished school. So um, I finished and went and studied communications at an art college and it was like a week before my final exams. And I was like, I can't do this. <laughs> I can't be here. There's, I've just got so much I want to see and so much I want to learn. So I actually got on a train and, and left Perth. I didn't even have a licence at that point, And I was like, I'm going to see Australia. Like, I, I don't know what I want, so I'm just going to go figure it out. Yeah, so I... Applied for heaps of jobs. went like bar mating for a bit. I was a roadhouse cook, but I got fired. Worst roadhouse cook in the <laughs>
0: oh no, Tell me this story. <laughs>
1: like, so much respect for roadhouse cooks out there. Oh, I, could, I just didn't make the cut. Like, I kept forgetting about like things on the deep. Right? <laughs> like, then someone would come in the roadhouse and I'd leave the kitchen to go chat to them and be like, hey, where are you going? Who are you? Like, oh, what are you trucking? <laughs> and they would be like, oh, your food. That's right. And be like, to a crisp. (laughs) The kitchen's on
0: fire, but you're having a really great chat.
1: (laughs) Literally. I just, I was like, right, I I can't be, a I actually got fired from that. And it was the best thing to ever happen to me because I was like, oh my God, okay, what am I going to do? And at that point, I had graduated from ag college and I had a taste of the industry there. Learning, the more you learn, I think the more you learn that you've got more to learn. I don't even know if that makes sense. I was like, right, I've learnt lots but I've just also learnt that there is so much more out there. So I applied to a heap of jobs all around Australia and just got one in Western Queensland. So I headed on over there. I'd never had a long H and I rocked up and I swear like I stepped off that plane, that little plane, um, and there was like a locust plague and there was like locust everywhere and it was stinking hot. So I went out and worked, yeah, in a station there. I was supposed to stay for three months. That turned into a year. I started as a dillaroo for a while and then um, I realised there was a massive shortage of governesses. Um, I'd never, like, I'd, you know, read some, you know, Bronte and, like, I'd read a bit of English literature so I knew that governesses were a thing but I thought they were a thing back in the 18th century. Didn't even realise that was a job there and I thought, okay, the most important thing to me that I value is education and I was like, this is something I want to do for a bit. So I went governessing. But my love for the live export industry actually started, my love affair started there. I remember being in those cattle yards and um, we just tapped into Cambodia as a market. i learned about the Khmer Rouge and Pol Pot and I knew the horrific things Cambodia had been through. And so when I heard, like when I read on the newspaper, I was like, right, we're, we're feeding Cambodia. And to me, I was so proud as an Australian because I was like, this country that has been through so much, they're finally getting access to, you know, these animals that are of a high quality and produced with such a high level of animal welfare. Like that is a really exciting thing for the world and food security. And I was just excited by that. And, you know, we were sending cattle to Indonesia at the time. And I was like, I like, I want to go see this. Like I want to go see who we're feeding. And I think that stems from my mum. Um, You know, i I've got a you know, long history in Australia's ag industry. Both my parents come from farms. My family's farm has been in the family for five generations. I'm the fifth. But there's been a lot of farmers, but there's also been a lot of farmers' wives. And that's a um, a term I don't use lightly. And my mum is a pretty good farmer's wife. And her love language is um, is feeding people. And I think she just loves feeding, like whether it's my brother-in-law's or my dad or anyone who comes through that door gets well-fed. And I've inherited that from her as my love language, I think, but on a global level.
0: Yeah, you're on a yeah. large, large <laughs> yeah. scale there. And
1: so I was so excited about that. And so I was like, right, we're flying these couple the into. I want to go there one day, like, and I want to see who we're feeding. So that's where the love affair started. And um, yeah, then I ended up after a couple of years in Western Queensland. I was like, oh, there's still so much more to see. Got itchy feet again, so I took off and sort of wandered my way around. I think I ran out of money there for a bit, so worked, As you somewhere, do. Yeah, worked somewhere, picked up work, barmaided here, or I don't know, just sort of floated around, and then ended up yeah back in WA, and that's where I got the gig with with the field days doing that. So that was such a good opportunity for me, I think, to one, find my feet, but also to sink my teeth into something um, that I – like I needed something uh, like that, like a a driving force, somewhere to, you know – I think put all my passion into and it was a really good community to like loved Queensland and if you ever want to just go find yourself <laughs> head over there I think go to western Queensland <laughs> yeah. it's a good place to be you know 1819 um but career wise it was yeah I was ready to ready for something something I didn't really know what but field days came up I was like yeah it's close to home like it's an incredible an incredible community and an incredible event, the way it comes together and the money invests back in the regional Australia. So yeah, I got the gig there and yeah, I went from there, I suppose. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it's a testament to you, Tiff, like being in Western Queensland and people saying to you, We had this chick, Tiff Davy, come through <laughs> and only good things to say. So good on you, honestly. Oh it's you yeah, know, you you should be proud of yourself. But tell me about the challenge of Darren.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think it goes for anything. Doesn't matter whether it's in agriculture or whether you're starting a new job. Starting anything's hard. Putting just putting your hat in the ring's hard. You know, starting not knowing anything's hard. I was this little girl, I suppose, had <laughs> been driving around Australia for a while and got thrown into this high-pressure job of running such a massive event and then you know I started off as like a little um like an assistant to the event coordinator and so I got my foot in the door and eventually by the time I left I was doing the marketing and and PR there's 300 people like look towards me for answers during that that what that week and it's (laughs) yeah no mean Um, feat. there's always I think challenges in starting something new and I know I just with my like first master I said to said to um this guy, like a contractor out there, like, so I was like, I'm, I'm scared I'm going to mess this up. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. I haven't worked with cattle. I'm actually a bit scared. I'm like, Australia's worst chivalry just by the way, like, literally. Um, and he just said to me, he's like, well, he didn't say mess up. He said another word that I'm not allowed to say. <laughs> he was like, you know, you're going to mess up. That's just, that's life. He's like, just get on with it. Like, why are you even worrying about that? But it's something I, I yeah, always worry about is, messing up I suppose but it is something it is scary yeah. um for anyone and um particularly I think in agriculture I know when I was out in western Queensland they were incredible like the incredible the skill sets they had like of those people on those properties the stockman skills I could I could only dream of being as good as stock people as what they were and I it was just constantly comparing myself to them and it was the same in the events world I was like, oh my gosh, you guys are so good. And it got me down. Like it literally got me down because I was constantly comparing myself to people. 50-year-old blokes who had been working stock since they were like 12. And I was like 19 and, and just rocked up on my first master. Of course, I wasn't going to be good. Yeah, but you have to start somewhere. And um, even my dad, I was like, I could never be a farmer. Like he, I just have so much um, respect for him, I think, as a person. But also, he's so competent. I was like, I could never, ever be what he is. But eventually over the years, I think I've developed my own set of skills and I'm never going to be my dad or I'm never going to be those people, but I have things to offer and um, it's, life's a lot easier when you, when you work that out. So starting out in Darren was, was um, hard, absolutely. It was something new, something I'd never done before. But over the years, I think I found, I'm like, okay, I can offer something here. And even showing up to conferences, I suppose, for a while there, when I first came home, I was like, okay, I want to get involved. Like, I need to create a network for one. I don't, you know, I don't, I haven't lived in WA for a few years. There's got to be other young people in ag. So, I was really focused on creating that network for myself because it is isolating moving out to a small town where you know no one. And I grew up in the area, but it was still really hard. And I found it difficult on the stations too, like moving around Australia or whatever, like I'm a girl who sits in bed reading Pride and Prejudice. Like, <laughs> I'm not going to fit in everywhere. Like, out in the, out no, in no, the fine, <laughs> out in stations. And that's fine, though. So I, I was really focused on sort of, like, establishing myself, I suppose. My focus was finding this network because, yeah, living in regional Australia, moving to a little town, starting a new job, all of that's scary. And it doesn't matter how many times I've moved or how many places I've been. Walking into that pub for the first time when you know nobody it's intimidating. But when I, as the years have gone by and I found what I have to offer to these places or these people, like it's made it a lot easier because I'm like, oh, I'm not a nobody. Like I, I am a somebody, I suppose, like I can be these people's friends. <laughs> but yeah, as I was finding this network, I like, you know, gone on to ag Connect WA and things like that. So eventually people like, oh, you're a young person passionate about ag. Um, you can talk a bit of smack. Come along to these these like forums all these places and I was thrown into these situations and a lot of times it was because they like people would ring me like hey we need a woman um we need a woman <laughs> in the room and someone young so you sort of tick both those boxes do you want to come along and that was my prerequisite yeah. and it took me a while to find my voice I think in those rooms full of those people because I was like, I've got nothing to offer here. I haven't done the hard yards at the grassroot level ag. I I can't even bloody put a fence up like well, I could, but it's not pretty. <laughs> like, I don't even have to keep the door in. So, but when I started realizing like actually I, I do have something to offer, life got easier, and you, everyone does. You just have to find that. And for me, I think it's my my passion, like for the future of the industry. Like, hey, no, that's that's something that works now, but that's not something that's going to work later, and you know that life got easier I think after that when I sort of found my feet yeah
0: Tiff I think you have so many yarns to tell and so many experiences and it sounds like you're so humble in in finding yourself but also knowing that there's just so much out there and yeah hats off to you because it's great and yeah we really wish you like the best of luck um and it's so great to have you part of our community as a livestock leader but I want to switch the conversation to conversations I know that um you've had a lot of conversations with people in in the public um, and practising that shared values communication. Can you tell me some examples or how how you go about those situations where you're in touch with people that aren't connected to agriculture?
1: Yeah, certainly. And I think, you know, the past few months I've been doing a lot of work in the ag education space with um, an urban demographic of kids and that has been like... Eyes are wide open. Some of the questions I've asked have just been brilliant. But also it made me realise like, I was like, right, we, no wonder we've got this issue now where people are not just asking questions but pointing thing, fingers. Because they, they don't know what we're about or what our values are as not only producers but as an industry. Because I'm like, they've just never been taught. (laughs) And um, it's something that's almost become cliche, like tell your story. I think within the industry, that's something we hear a lot about consumer awareness. It's like the niche words at every single conference you go to. But um, it is important. It is really, really important. And I think for a while there, we started telling our story a few years ago. And I started getting excited. I was like, wicked, like this is so overdue. But we were sort of arrogant about it. You're like, oh, you know, you have to thank us. Like we work so hard, you owe us something. Whereas now I think we're getting to the point where like, okay, shared values, like that's not working. But what I shared values, like, I'm a human, I have emotions and I care. Like, I wanna feed my family too, and I wanna I wanna feed it in a way where I know the animals have had a great life. Where right? I and I think we we are getting better at it. I, I'm incredibly passionate about that. Yeah, yep, we have an incredible story to share, absolutely. But we're great at sharing it to each other. Like <laughs> We go, you know, we all go to the pub together or we all go to these conferences like, yeah, God, we're great. And we are, absolutely. But that's not sharing the story with the broader demographic. Um, so every time I get absolutely hammered on social media by – and I don't like using the word activists, um, you know, by extremists – I think, okay, these are the questions that if they're asking it, there's probably a few people, other people out there who are asking it as well or thinking it. Um, I'm not going to waste my time with them because, yeah, their mind's made up but I have to put my focus on having a chat with someone who's willing to listen because if all they see or hear about is the bad parts, then how are they going to know the good? And I've got to go in there expecting them to know nothing. Why should they know anything? So it's people's mind frames, I think, when it comes to consumer education. Of course, they don't know about our life and what we're about and our values. So it, it is finding those shared values and, and people care. And I think that's an incredible thing. And I believe the next big food trend, we've seen things like paleo, but the next big food trend is asking where your food comes from. Consumers are starting to wonder and it's not bad. We have to be there to answer the questions. We're getting people like you guys who do have those skills and have the understanding, I think, of how some people's brains dick. Um, But my biggest piece of advice, I think, would be to the industry. I know it's really hard sometimes scrolling through Facebook. There's been like articles about me specifically. I remember there was like an article about, you know, we hate Tiffany Day because she goes on live export ships. And it wasn't that that bothered me. It was the comments from the people within the industry. It was those I was deleting because when you reply saying, you know, you, you're this and that and you're a, you lose it for not knowing what goes on, that it's a reflection of the industry as a whole. If you're commenting something or if you're sharing something on a public platform, you're representing all of us. You know, just think about it.
0: And I think people forget that when they're replying to a single comment or a single post, there's those people that are logged on into the post and they get those notifications, but there's also thousands, if not millions, of viewers. People who come back and yeah. read that yeah. and yeah. that are taking that away and mm. making mm. opinions yeah. or forming yeah. opinions on what based on, on what that. Yeah. 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 Um and we're very um, strict our social media because oh you're exactly right. Being mm. aggressive even if you share our views yeah. or you don't share our views, it gets us nowhere.
1: Yeah. And insulting people never just be kind. People have the right to choose what they eat. They have the right to those decisions. I'm not here to dictate to anyone about what they should consume. Um, What I am here to say is, you know, we love what we do and we're proud of what we do. And if you've got some questions, ask them and we'll answer. Yeah,
0: we'll share our story. Yeah,
1: absolutely. (laughs) Like
0: how often are we in touch with their lives? (laughs) Tiff, do you have any like specific examples of these conversations of you sharing your story with yeah, someone? Yeah,
1: I think like like online is a huge platform. We can't underestimate how far those stories reach. Uh, I like there's been a few times where I've just, I don't know, randomly like been in articles or whatever about the live export industry specifically, but also for like a few other things in regards to you know the industry. And it's amazing the people who have reached out from that And I think there's been like a lot of aggressive questions. And as I said earlier, you have to take away that the message of, okay, these are the questions they're asking. But I, you know, there's been people who've like messaged me because I've replied and been like, Hey, that's your views. And I respect that. I love what I do. And if you have any questions, reach out to me, ask the question. Like I've been on the ships. I don't tell me what the sheep's life are on the ship. Like, I know what that is. If you have any questions, reach out to me. And they, you know, in my message requests file, which I found a lot later, but they're like, hey, I read in the comment you replied to this person that you've been on the ship. What's it actually like? And um, even people um, walking down the street in my small town, they're like, oh, what's it actually like? And so that, to me, always just, I think, be open to answering the questions. So it refers back to what I was saying earlier about not being arrogant about being, you know, thanking people like, hey, I'm here to answer any questions. You don't understand. That's fine. Lots of things I don't get either. Being open, I think, is the key to a great conversation. And more than once, that has led into people. And I feel like they've gone away from that being like, okay, I I believe her, I, you know, I I I know what her values are as a human and you know I just say like I'm on that ship because I care I care about the animals and you know I've, I flew over to Vietnam and Cambodia to see the feedlots and the abattoirs um, you know because I care you know I wanted to formulate my own opinion on the industry um, outside from what I was seeing in the media from you know both the ag industry's perspective and and the extremists I was like what is the go I wouldn't know. I'm sitting here out in a station in Western Queensland. What would I know about what's going on there? So I've made the effort out of, gone out of my way to go and do that. So I I do understand the system. And when I explain that to people, I'm like, yeah, like if, if I thought the welfare was bad, I wouldn't have put my animals on that boat. That's something... That goes against my values as a human. And when they're like, oh, my gosh, really? Like, and That's they would share that value. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, I, I don't. Why would I do that? You know, I don't lay awake at night on a ship thinking about Australia's economy. I really couldn't care. You know, I lay about awake at night on a ship thinking about the six sheep I have in hospital pen on deck nine. You know, it's not an economical thing. It's not a statistical thing. It is a shit value thing. Like, I, I don't care about the statistics. I don't care about the economics. I sh- I care about the people we're feeding. I love that. And I care about the animals. Um, I wouldn't get on a ship and sail with them if I didn't like them. You know, I get to spend every single day poking around looking after them and sort of explaining my own values as a human. And, And that literally comes back to just being open, being like, hey, cool, that's what you believe. Awesome. Come and ask me a question if you had one. And people have. And that's really important. Yeah.
0: How empowering to have that audience. Did the Livestock Leaders Workshop help with those conversations? Like yeah. we focus a lot on shared values, yeah, communication. Yeah,
1: yeah. Shared values. I think I think a lot of people do it. Some, well, not a lot, but people do do it subconsciously. They're like, you know, people who they're like, okay, yeah, I love what I do. Like this is my values. But it's learning how to communicate that I think is really important. And the Livestock um, Leaders thing for me, another huge take for that was once again, like the network your network is so important having that support system. I was like, oh, you you got you got attacked online as well and that really upset you. Yeah, me too. You know, that conversation was super important too for me. But absolutely like learning how important your voice is and um, you know, how to use it is super important. I, I literally, as I said earlier, I thought I for a long time I didn't have anything to offer because I just haven't done those years. I'm only 24. I haven't done the years in the industry. I was like, I've got nothing to offer anyone. And then going along to things like livestock leaders and they like, oh, I actually, you know, I can talk some smack. So that's a skill I can utilize. <laughs> 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 um, but going along being like, oh, actually, yeah, like I, I, I can, I do, I do have the right to communicate my passion. That was a big take for me.
0: Tiff, I did my research. Now you don't put the author hat on very often, although you did tell me that you wrote six chapters earlier. <laughs> but tell me about the book that you did write and had published a few years ago.
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah I um, I yeah, I don't put that hat on as as much as I should, but it is something. I am incredibly proud of and every year at book week when there's a kid out there who sends me a message or their mum sends me a message or their dad or whatever and they're dressed as a shearer and they say I want to be a shearer and I go oh, I just my heart bursts um but yeah I, I did write a, a children's book I've I've written a lot of children's book it's weird I, I think I'm a bit weird in the night. I sometimes I like, have these dreams and then I wake up. I'm like, oh, my God, that'd be such a cool kids book. And I'm like, oh, my it God. <laughs> <laughs> <I> know, it's <laughs> so strange. <laughs> you inspiration. Um, I know. It's so weird. Or like, uh, I don't know, I'll meet someone or I'll, I'll go like, i would go do something. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. This is so like, if I was a kid, I um, I would have loved to have read about this. And I think always, like I've always understood the importance of words and I think kids sometimes, uh, I don't believe in using like kid words. I think kids, they they want to learn, like their minds are incredible. And they're so much more tuned
0: in than what we oh, give them Absolutely.
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, the importance of words, we can't underestimate that. And that combined with just my love of storytelling and my love of, you know, the industry. I, yeah, I wrote this kid's book a few years ago, 5,000 one ago. And it's about um, shearing time um, and just what life during the week of shearing sort of like from a kid's perspective. And it's so exciting. And. I think once you sort of tap into that industry at such a young age when it comes to ag or anything, it once there's like the sparks there, it, we can't underestimate how, how big that spark grows into a flame. And even where I've been working in the ag education space the last few months, all we've been doing is like hatching chickens and doing show sheep. And it's amazing they've come back and said, oh, my goodness, like is this what it's like? I'm like, yeah, like it's exciting. Yeah, yeah not only is it about um, – growing food but it's about like people working with animals or just it's just the industry is so diverse and um the kids book for me was a really not easy way but it was just such a it was like a no-brainer to share the message it was a kids book kids on farms could relate to and hopefully that was the words they needed to get them develop their love of reading and then it was kids on you know who'd never been on a property it gave them that foresight into what life on a farm's like and it's a lot of freedom and a lot of fun.
0: How special um I uh, growing up my dad was a, a farmer shearer and I think I spent the first five years of my life in a shearing shed more than I spent in my own home and I look back now I'm like, oh, how beautiful like what a childhood like we're so lucky and for you to be able to spread that amazing Tiff.
1: No, I, I think we, we um I'm, like, kids are so incredible. Like, everything's fun. Everything's exciting. We did shearing on the little farm where I've been working last week. It's like a, yeah, education farm. And my heart, I, I thought I didn't really like kids. <laughs> but when they built, like, this little step ladder to, like, climb in and squish down the bar, I was like, oh, my goodness, this is the best kind of chaos, like, kids in a shearing shed. Um, you know, obviously semi-contained but like it was just so much fun and they love it like they love getting their hands dirty kids let them play in the dirt and I think that ties in really well with Ag.
0: Yeah absolutely so huge opportunities I think we've established in sharing our story whether it be to to children through through children's books or yeah beyond in these conversations and these big conversations where we can't shy away from anymore. Yeah absolutely
1: and I think that's another thing Um, For the industry, we can't shy away from these conversations anymore and that's something I've learned too. I used to think, ah, nah, we don't need to, you know, that's not my job or, you know, but don't shy away from the big conversations. Yeah, Yeah, it gets, you know, like you just got to do the hard yards, I think, and I like to think we're doing them now to help people in the future or help the industry in the future have the
0: conversations yeah
1: yeah and sometimes they're tough
0: yeah that's what the livestock collective is so passionate about as Mm. well like let's we can share the stories but let's empower the whole supply chain to share those stories and to not shy away from those hard Mm. questions and to establish these skills in communication and media and whatnot that agriculture doesn't genuinely get to to build that network and build that skill base
1: and i think like you know have the conversations but also within the industry particularly like people like me who are just starting out like we've got to have the conversations we got to share the stories but we've also got to keep evolving you know yep we've got these stories happening and we're starting to educate people on what we're doing but you know that we've got to do it right too you know particularly when it comes to like livestock welfare and things like that like you know we super important but just as important as us continuing to evolve as an industry i think to meet the like we can't have these old mindsets where we we do things that way forever so let's not do them anymore like there there's no room for that and um you know I'm not saying it's a bad or good thing or whatever but I'm saying it's just that's the way it is now and we've got to make the rules for our industry if we don't someone's going to make them for us and we're not going to be happy about it um, let's share our stories. Let's let's evolve. Let's
0: continue to evolve.
1: Like it can only get better, hopefully.
0: <laughs> yeah. So is that a challenge you see moving forward? Yeah, definitely a challenge, um, but also an opportunity.
1: There is still the old mindset out there. And um, unfortunately, like I have come across it, but it, I don't make it a part of like my identity, I suppose, within the industry. Um, there's people who could be, I think, evolving um, and but we, I don't want to focus on that. I think we need to focus on like it's us coming through. Like we are literally the future of the industry. So let's get it right. Look outside your boundary fence. Ask questions, you know, like seek out answers. We, we've got to keep moving forward and that comes, I think, with everything. And I think Australia, the live export industry, we underestimate the influence we're having all around the world. You know, even working with the guys on ships, like the crew, it's amazing having a conversation with them and, you know, we, we teach them Western world levels of welfare, like our levels, the Australians' levels of, of animal welfare and it's, you know, they tell me about how they take that back to wherever they're from and, imp, you know, implement them. If they can do that in a developing country in Australia, we can, we can evolve too. <laughs> you know, um, as I said with the comments, you're representing all of us. We can't have the 1%. Doing it wrong, um, because that becomes the story, and it's not the whole picture. Uh, and people only they believe what they see, and if that's what they're seeing, then of course they're going to believe it. So we we've, we've got to do it right too. You know, we just have to um, yeah have the stories, you know, share them, and that's that's super important. But we've got to back it up with progress, I think, and back it up with always what we're what we're voicing.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, Tiff, that's such a powerful message. If you could give one core message to everyone, the public, extremists, us, like, what would that message be? Have you just told me or is it something different? <laughs> Probably just ask the questions.
1: Always ask the questions. And I, I mean that in regards to the agriculture industry, but in regards to life too, like the best conversations I've ever had when I've called into a pub in a random town driving around Australia. And I've sat at a bar and there's been a dude down the end of the bar, like some old dude who looks a bit scary. And I'm like, hey, how are you going? Like, are you from around here? That question, it, it it's just like a landslide effect. And I think that's just when it comes to life, ask the questions always and listen to the answers. If you want to know something, then, you know, there's – just and you know be someone who's willing to answer
0: yeah tiff you've described yourself as passionate adventurous and loving but i think we've limited it there you could also describe yourself as inquisitive and forward thinking and it was so great chatting to you today
1: oh thank you for having me so much such an honor
0: no worries tiff a big thank you to our audience for listening every fortnight we release a new episode with more leaders and champions throughout the livestock industry Please subscribe or leave a review and join our community on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter and LinkedIn at Livestock Leaders to hear more real and empowering stories.